Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Surprise Jab Podcast. I'm your host, Zachary Ruger, surprising you with new topics every single week and jabbing you with your daily dose of UFC. Welcome back, everyone. It's a new week. It was a pretty good weekend overall for me, I would say. You know, watching UFC 294 was amazing. We will, of course, be covering the entire card to cap off this episode, my favorite part of every episode. And we don't have any UFC next weekend, so I'll have to treasure talking about every single fight that went down this past Saturday, of course, yesterday, Sunday. Watched the uh, NFL while doing all my homework for the week. I kind of just bit the bullet and went after it, did all my work for my marketing class, finance class, management class, business law class, and then was able to enjoy watching a little football. And tonight, Monday, my Minnesota Vikings play. So you already know, I'll be rooting for them. We'll be reviewing all the uh, matchups that went down in week seven of the NFL. We'll, of course, be going over a little bit of the MLB playoffs, just a brief check-in and um, going over the uh, NCAA football or going to go over the top 25 and all sorts of other topics here on the episode today. But I hope everyone's Monday has been going well. By the time you listen to this, it might be Tuesday, October 24th. Um, UFC 5 actually comes out this week on Thursday for anyone who ordered the pre-ordered uh, regular version. But if you pre-ordered the deluxe version, you can actually play it today, October 23rd. Personally, I have no interest in buying the deluxe version. I have uh, been found. I found out from some people that there's actually no new fighters in the game currently. It's actually seeming like a letdown at the moment, but it's an upgrade from UFC 4, so I will nonetheless be playing it. I just want new fighters. That's honestly all I like to play as. I like to play as new fighters. Um, and honestly, going division by division, there's some huge fighters now that they need to have in the game. When I look at flyweight, I mean, the number three fighter in the world, Armir Albazi, is not in the game. He definitely should be. Mohamed Mokayev, who just won this past weekend, will now be ranked either number 10 or 9 in the flyweight division. He should be in the game. Um, trying to think of some other big ones. Well, I just I look at the rankings. I feel every ranked fighter should always be in the game, personally. When I go to lightweight, Drew Dober, just such a staple of the lightweight division. He, of course, should be in UFC EA Sports 5, without a doubt. Going to the welterweight division, I mean, number 11, Ian Gary, such a star, rising prospect, easily should be. I mean, Jeff Neal, ranked number 8. I mean, he's been in the UFC now, oh my gosh, 7 years or something. Should definitely be in the game. Top 10 at middleweight, I mean, number 7, Roman Dolodize isn't even in the game. Uh, number 13, Chris Curtis, a staple of the division. Number 11, Nazardine Imovov. And light heavyweight, I mean, number 10, Ryan Spann, surprised he's not in the game yet. At heavyweight, I mean, we need number nine, Holton Almeida. He's in the next fight night main event. Our next UFC event, November 4th in Sao Paulo, Brazil. The main event fighter isn't even in. Hopefully the UFC adds him. I really hope they do, uh, but we'll see what uh, what else they do. And as for women, they actually do a pretty decent job with the women fighters. But uh, eh, not much going on uh, there in UFC EA Sports 5. I'll be doing a full breakdown once I play the game Thursday. Um, actually, oh yeah, wow, Thursday, pretty busy, actually, going to be playing the game, I had class, but um, we actually have a surprise podcast this week with a special guest, so stay tuned for that Wednesday, that should be dropping um, probably around like 10 o'clock at night, so any of my Thursday listeners, stay tuned for that. The MLB playoffs, as I mentioned, are nearing a end. We have briefly checked in with them on my Wednesday episode, we'll probably be doing a more in-depth look at the uh, World Series as it is, 
But um, as of right now, the Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers are tied 3-3. Three and three. Game 7 goes down tonight. So by the time you listen to this on Tuesday, you could be, uh, you will know actually who's going to be in the World Series representing the American League Conference. Astros, they've been on a bit of a tear. They were number two in the uh, postseason rankings. They were able to beat the Minnesota Twins 3-1, to one, unfortunately. As for the Rangers, I mean, they fought their way from the number five spot, beating the Tampa Bay uh, Rays in the wild card 2-0, swept them, then swept the Orioles 3-0 in the quarterfinals, and now in the semifinals. They are tied 3-3. Bit of a... They <coughs> Excuse me, it's been a bit of a comeback of sorts for the Astros. We kicked everything off with Game 1. Rangers winning 2-0. Going up after that, they went actually up 2-0 after a 5-4 win. Once it went back to uh, Houston, they won 8-5. They then won 10-3. They then won 5-4. But with a chance to be swept yesterday, the Rangers were able to beat the um, Astros 9-2. So Game 7 goes down tonight. Um, I honestly am just going to root for the uh, Astros just because it'd be cool if they repeated as champions. But if the uh, Texas Rangers go, good for them. Switching over to the NLCS, Diamondbacks are currently down 3-2 to two to the Phillies. Game 6 goes down tonight. Phillies, I mean, they were the fourth seed, swept in the wild card, beat the Braves. Number one seeded Braves, 3-1 to one in the quarterfinals and are now up 3-2 to two over the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks shouldn't even be here. I mean, they're the number six seed, the the bottom seed in the NLCS, the National League Conference, and were able to upset the Brewers 2-0, swept them, swept the number two seed Dodgers 3-0. But now, in a tough position, they need they have a must game, must win game tonight. Um, they lost game one to the Phillies 5-3. Were able to uh, actually no, they actually lost game two 10 to 10-0, 10 rip. Were able to win game three two to one, but lost game four Friday six to five. Lost game five six to uh, one. Or actually no, they won game four six to five. Lost game five six to one. Well, I'm all confused, but yes, game uh, game uh, six goes down at 5 p.m. Tonight, I have no stake in this, but uh, maybe my special guest will be able to uh, give us some more of an insight into the MLB playoffs of sorts. I'm also going to go with the Phillies to win, so we'll go with the Phillies-Astros World Series. I don't really mind what happens, but that's what's going on in the world of MLB. New announcements for uh, UFC fights. We always talk about that to kick off the uh, podcast of sorts, but no new fight announcements since we last met on Thursday. Um, the only big thing is that Jared Cannonier, the uh, number, gosh, is Jared number two? Yes. Uh, no, he's number four, actually. Jared Cannonier, the number four middleweight in the world, coming off of a historic, a record saying, uh, Fight in the night win against Marvin Vittori, earlier, or Marvin Vittori earlier this year, the number five ranked middleweight, is out of his fight with number seven ranked Roman Dolodize. They were supposed to fight on the December 2nd fight night in, um, where is it, uh, uh, Austin, Texas. Yes, it was supposed to be in Minnesota, was from what everything I was hearing, but instead they decided to switch it to uh, Austin for some reason. Um, Austin, Texas, actually, is where they host uh, Kill Tony. It's where a lot of comedians are from. Kill Tony, show on YouTube, hosted by uh, Tony, uh, Tony something. I can't remember his last name. Uh, Hinchcliffe, yes, Tony Hinchcliffe, comedian. Such a funny show. New episodes drop Monday. I always watch that show now. But yeah, Roman's out of his fight. He tore his MCL. He actually accepted the fight Hamzat on short notice, so it could have been him fighting Hamzat instead of Kamaru Usman, but Torres MCL is out of this fight. So Roman, now ranked at number seven, last fought in March and lost to Marvin Vittori. Doesn't have a fight booked. A um, couple of options. I mean, he could take on number 15th ranked Anthony Hernandez, maybe even 
number 10 Calvin. Actually, Calvin Gaslam's moving down. Gosh, I don't even know who Roman's going to fight, but I hope he stays on on the card. I don't know if he's going to fight anyone. But uh, if he wants to fight up, maybe Robert Whitaker will be down to scrap with him. We'll see what happens, but unfortunate result for Roman losing his opponent and for Jared Cannier for tearing his MCL. Hopefully they can uh, both get a fight booked, and hopefully Jared can uh, recover from his unfortunate injury. Football been going on a lot recently. We've been talking about MLB mostly, but college football is another big thing that's been going on here in America. And I am going to talk about the top 25, the top 25 ranked teams. A lot of upsets this past weekend. I saw the Golden Gophers, the Minnesota Gophers, actually beat Iowa, who are ranked 24. So we'll see if they're still in the rankings in the top 25. So we'll go from 25 to 1, and we'll look at all the teams that are currently in the top 25. And there's actually nine undefeated teams at the moment, and we'll see if any of them land in the top 25. Obviously, a majority of them do, which is actually who we're kicking it off with, with our number 25, James Madison Dukes, James Madison University. The Dukes are 7-0 and undefeated. They were previously not ranked last week, but after defeating Marshall 20-9, they are now in the top 25 undefeated having a good season they play old dominion next saturday at eight o'clock on espnu should be a good game the dukes have allowed only 253 rushing yards through seven games that's the third fewest by any uh, college football team in the last 20 seasons behind only the 2008 tcu team which only allowed 145 and the 2006 michigan team which only gave up 228 rushing yards through the first seven games impressive stuff from the james madison dukes welcome to the rankings good for you guys at number 24 we have a team that was ranked 18th but is now fallen to six and two record for the 2023 season if you can guess this they are led by Kalen williams that's right, USC, the USC Trojans, the University of uh, Cara, South Carolina. No, it's Southern California, isn't it? That's what USC is. I was trying to think. I know it was in California, but I was like, South Carolina? No. They were previously ranked 18th. They lost to Utah this week, 34-32. to I mean, Caleb Williams, he, he, had a, he had a streak of 21 straight games with a passing touchdown, and um, it was snapped this game. Um, longest since Matt Lenard, actually, former QB of the USC Trojans. They play um, Cal next uh, next week, Pac-12 Network matchup. Their USC man, Caleb Williams, supposed to be the number one pick in the NFL draft next season. They've now lost two games this season. He has been not looking up to his form. And he's, he's saying stuff about like some, some fan rushed the field. After they lost their, uh, it wasn't the Utah game, I think it was the other game, but he was like getting all of his face, just some college kid, and Caleb Williams said a lion doesn't concern himself with sheep, which I guess Caleb, but you know, your team's now 6-2. and two. He said whoever drafts him, he wants partial ownership of the team. These NLI deals, they're just getting to these players' heads. So USC at 24 in the rankings. At 23, we actually have another California team who jumped two spots. They're ranked 25th last week, but now the UCLA Bruins, with a 5-2 and two record, are ranked 23. They defeated Stanford 42-7 in Week 8. Impressive stuff from the Bruins. The Bruins' 35-point victory was its largest road win since 2015 when they beat Oregon State by 41. They play Colorado. Uh, yep, that's right, Colorado, next Saturday. 
at 7.30 on ABC. So they're in a primetime spot as they play primetime. So good for the Bruins. Bruins, I feel, are more known as a basketball team. Lonzo Ball, of course, playing on them. One of the players that just comes to mind off the top of my head. And also, gosh, I can think of so many players. I can just picture them in my head just from March Madness, from watching that all the time. But none are coming to mind at the moment, unfortunately. But the UCLA Bruins at 23. At 22, jumping up a spot from 23 last week, the 6-1 and one Tulane Green Waves. They defeated North Texas 35-28, to 28, and now we're ranked at 22. They play Rice next Saturday, Rice University, on ESPN2 at 4 o'clock. Stat to know, Michael Pratt had three touchdown passes and ran for ran for a fourth as he won his ninth consecutive start, the third longest streak in college football behind only Washington's QB, Michael Penix Jr., and Florida State University's Jordan Travis. Good for Tulane. Sort of a not-too-well-known college. I don't even know where Tulane's located at. But um, actually, yeah, let, let me actually... We'll do a little live Googling on the podcast to figure out where Tulane University is at. It's actually in Greenville. No, it's in New Orleans? Los Angeles? Where is this at? I'm getting way too many, way too many different um, things. X actually is in Louisiana. New Orleans, Louisiana. Good for that. A little medical college. Huh. Good for you, Tulane 22. At 21, dropping four spots from 17, we have the Tennessee Volunteers. 5-2 and two now on the season. The Vols were held scoreless in the second half, and their loss to Alabama 34-20 to for only the second time under head coach Josh Hupel. They play Kentucky next Saturday on ESPN, um, just regular ESPN. But, yeah, they were winning that Alabama game. They choked in the second half. And, man, Alabama, what if they make it back to the uh, – College football playoffs. Is it um aren't they having six teams in this year? I can't recall if that's actually gonna happen. But Tennessee, that's tough. You've dropped out of the top twenty now. And speaking of the top twenty, at number twenty, dropping four spots, unfortunately, we do have the Duke Blue Devils. They're five and two. They just lost the Florida State thirty eight to twenty next Saturday. They will play Louisville. The Blue Devils were outscored twenty one to zero after the par- the departure of their uh starting QB Riley Leonard due to an injury late in the third quarter. But you know what? They're 5-2. and two. They're in the top 25. This is as big as a, of a basketball college as it gets. Good for Duke. We'll see what you can do. Actually, Ryan Benecki, who we had on the third ever episode of the Surprise Jet podcast, my, my loyal cousin, my buddy. He's actually a huge Duke fan, but uh, he goes to Iowa now, so I'm sure he doesn't really care about the Duke football team. At number 19 and one of our nine undefeated teams, we have the 7-0, previously ranked at 22. They're now ranked at 19 Air Force. The Falcons, the Air Force, you know, the college. They defeated the Navy 17-6. Always love when those teams play. It's uh, always cool to know. The Falcons are actually 7-0 for the first time since 1997. They finished that season 10-3. Next Saturday, they play Colorado State at 7 p.m. on CBSN Network. Air Force, good for them. Uh, my cousin, not Ryan Parker, was actually going to join the Air Force, but I think uh, he's now going to be a cop, potentially. So good for him. But the Air Force, always like seeing the Army, the Air Force, the Navy, uh, Marines. I don't think there's a Marines <laughs> college, but you know what I'm saying. always like seeing those teams play. Actually, when they have basketball games on um, like the uh, warships, you know, the giant uh, jets where the, the fighter jets land on, I always find that so cool. I wonder if they'd ever do a football game on one of those. I don't know if that's been done. We'll have to see. 
At number 18, jumping three spots from 21 last week, we have the 6-1 Louisville Cardinals. They did have a bye week this week. The Cardinals will look to bounce back from last week's upset loss to Pittsburgh when the Panthers outscored Louisville 24-0 in the second half and dropped to a 38-21 win. So, yes, they were 6-0, lost, unfortunately. They do play Duke, actually, next Saturday, so best of luck to them, Louisville. I feel best known um, for Lamar Jackson. You know, they, he put he put Louisville on the map, at least for me. I know not for everyone. But, yeah, Louisville Cardinals, good for you. And everyone uses that Cardinal symbol, their uh, logo for the team. And number 17, falling a oh, crazy seven spots. This team was ranked 10 last week. They're now at 17 after losing to Virginia 31-27. to We have UNC, the North Carolina Tar Heels, 6-1 now on the season. The Tar Heels become the first top 10 team to lose to Virginia at home ever. They play Georgia Tech next Saturday. UNC, another basketball college. But um, what's his face actually went there? Was it, was it Mitch Trubinsky? No, I'm thinking of Sam Howell, I believe it was. Yes, Sam Howell went to USC. If I'm not um, not speaking correctly, Sam Howell, the current starting QB for the Washington Commanders, suffered a tough L this week. Yes, he actually did go to the University of North Carolina. That's what I thought. Big basketball college is where a lot of notable people came from. I mean, Michael Jordan went there for goodness sakes. Um, North Carolina basketball school. Falling out of the top 10, that's tough. Still in the top 25, though. Good for them. At number 16, um, jumping four spots, we actually have the Missouri Tigers. 7-1 and one now in the season. They defeated South Carolina 34-12. to Tigers are off to their best start since 2013 when they went 12-2 and two and advanced to the SEC championship game. They do play Georgia on November 4th, so they get a little uh, break next weekend, but then it's back to Georgia in two weeks. Don't know how that's going to go for them. We'll get to Georgia in a bit, but good for Missouri. They are, they're overall good in all sports, and I think some chick from my high school actually went there, if I'm thinking of that. She was like two, two or three years older than me, but Missouri Tigers at 16. Getting into the top 15, we have Joe Burrow, Livy Duns, Shaquille O'Neal's, Nas Reed's. LSU Tigers, previously ranked 19th. They jump four spots to the 15th spot. They're 6-2 and two now. They defeated Army 62-0 last week. This was LSU's biggest shutout victory since defeating Rice University 77-0 in 1977. Oh, my goodness. Army, what happened? 62-0 shutout. LSU looking good. They do play Alabama in two weeks, so just like Missouri, and the, you get two two weeks off, but then it's back to a tough team. Good for LSU. I wonder if Baby Gronk's going to go to LSU. We'll see, but good for them. At number 14, jumping up one spot from last week, we have the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Notre Dame, 6-2. and two. They did have a bye week last week. Um, and the win over USC the week before, uh, the Fighting Irish became the only team in the past 20 years to have five takeaways and a special team's touchdown against a top 10 opponent. Next weekend, they play Pittsburgh at 3.30 on NBC. That's right. That's the kid I was thinking of who was taunting Caleb Williams. He was from Notre Dame. And, yeah, Notre Dame, uh, always a notable team in college football. Actually, for basketball, too, they occasionally have a good season. Love Notre Dame. Uh, I can't – I think – my uncle actually likes Notre Dame, or does he not like Notre Dame? I can't I can't remember at times, but Notre Dame at 14. At number 13, we have the Utah Utes, previously ranked at 14th. They jump up a spot after defeating USC 34-32. They're now 6-1, and one, and Utah has won four straight games against USC now, which is tied for the second longest winning streak against the Trojans by a Pac-12 school in the AP poll era, 1936 was when the AP Bull era began. So that's a crazy stat. They play next Saturday against Oregon at 3.30. Ooh, that should be interesting. Utah. I actually know one of my buddies from uh, 
uh, high school, eh, middle school, and uh, middle school and elementary school more. But I actually saw him at college the last two years. He actually goes to a, a helicopter school in Utah. Not much goes on there. I'd actually like to visit Utah sometimes, see what the land is like out there. But good for them. They're up to 13, and that's right. They defeated USC That's last week. Good for them. At number 12, we have the Old Miss Rebels jumping up from 13. They defeated Auburn 28-21. to They're now 6-1. The Rebels have started 6-1 or 7-0 in three consecutive seasons for the first time since they did so in seven straight seasons from 1957 to 1963. They play Vanderbilt on the uh, SEC Network next Saturday at 7.30 p.m. Old Miss, um, some kid I somewhat know, he's more friends with one of my other friends, actually uh, goes, to a f- uh, f- goes to college there now. He went to Minnesota State University. Actually, Minnesota State, Mankato, I should say. There's a lot of Minnesota universities. But uh, now he's now in a frat now at Old Miss. So good for them. They're now number 12. Got a feel for them. Good for the Old Miss Rebels. I've always uh, loved watching Old Miss on Saturday at 11 a.m. I just feel that team's always on whenever I'm uh, waking up and watching it. So good for Old Miss. Just outside of the top 10, at number 11, we have the Oregon State Beavers who jump up from the number 12 spot. They came off a bye week. They're now 6-1, and one, and the Beavers have actually scored at least 21 points in 15 consecutive games, tied for the fourth longest streak in college football. They play Arizona next Saturday at 10.30 p.m. on ESPN Oregon State, the Beavers. Just always that team in football or in basketball or even sometimes in baseball, they just sneak their way in. They manage to do good. Good for them, number 11. But let's get into our top 10. And actually, this top 10 team actually was ranked 7 last week. But after losing to Ohio State 20-12, to they're now 6-1, and one, no longer undefeated. That's right, the Penn State Nittany Lions Penn State. They play Indiana next Saturday. But the Lions, they were 1-for-16 on third downs in that Ohio State loss. The worst conversion percentage by a ranked team. In the past 10 seasons, a minimum of 15 attempts, they had 16. And entering Saturday, they were 1,224 instances of ranked teams having at least 15 third down attempts. Wow, quite the stat there. But yeah, Penn State did not perform well. Their QB, I cannot remember his name for the life of me, did not do well. And now they're uh, dropping down. Any hopes of making the college playoffs? Now looking kind of dire. Number 10, Penn State. And number nine, a team that usually, if they only have one loss, can still find their way into the college football playoffs, is the Alabama Crimson Tide. They were ranked 11 last week, but after having a comeback, they're defeating Tennessee 34-20. to They're now ranked number nine. Saturday marked the first time Alabama came back from a 13-point halftime deficit at home since 1995, and it also tied the largest comeback from a halftime deficit in the Nick Saban era. Obviously, head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. They have absolute banger against LSU on November 4th. Excited for that game. Good for Alabama. And actually, in the Dolphins and Eagles game on Sunday Night Football, I mean, it was basically the Alabama Bowl. They had so many star players. I mean, you think about Bradley Chubb, you think about Jalen Hurts, you think about Tua, you think about freaking... Uh, Gosh, so many different players played on Alabama. Such a good team. They're now up to nine. Good for them. At number eight, we have a team that actually jumped up a spot. They were nine last week, but they defeated Washington State 38-24, to the 6-1 and Oregon Ducks. In a game in which he made fifty his 54th career start, the most by a quarterback in college football history, Bo Nix completed 18 of 25 passes for 293 yards and three total touchdowns. Bo Nix, I wonder if he'll be the Vikings QB next year. It's not looking like it's going to be Kirk Cousins. I've been hearing rumors that he might be traded to the Browns as the Browns have a horrible 
locker room for QBs. We'll see what happens. But um, then we'd have Jaron Hall, I think, is our starting QB. So I don't know how that would go. But Oregon, they play Utah next Saturday on Fox at 3.30. Bo Nix going to be entering the uh, NFL draft next season probably. Good for them. Up to eight. At number seven, we have the Texas Longhorns, who were ranked eight last week, but they get a 31-24 to victory over Houston. They're now 6-1. and one. The Longhorns held Houston to just 14 rushing yards, the fewest they've allowed since 2018. Wow. Next Saturday, they play BYU at 3.30. Texas all the way up to number seven. Isn't that where Arch Manning's going? Is he already there? I don't even know. I, I've forgotten about that kid. But Texas, you're up to seven. Good for you. At number six, we have the Oklahoma Sooners. They were six last week. They're seven and zero. They're undefeated. I mean, this team is just looking good. They were they were behind for 21 minutes and nine seconds on Saturday, after trailing for only 12 minutes in their first six games combined, which was the least time trailing for any college football team entering the day. They do play Kansas at noon on Fox next Saturday. But guess what? They were able to rally against UCF. They win 31 to 29, undefeated. They're six. Good for them. College football playoffs in their eyes. Getting into our top five, we have an undefeated team here as the Washington Huskies. They were five last week. They're five this week. They're seven and zero. They defeated Arizona State fifteen to seven. They finished with thirteen rushing yards. It's fewest in a win in the last twenty five years, but they were able to sneak out of a tough win. Getting you know get it done against Arizona State. Actually, some kid from uh, my girlfriend's grade, so was he like two years younger than me? Actually, goes to Arizona State. That's cool. He got a really big scholarship there. But, um, yeah, they play Stanford next week on FS1 at 7 p.m. Good for Washington, man. Always got a feel for the most. Some, some big player went to Washington, and it's, oh, man, I'll never, you know what? At the heat of the moment right now, I won't be able to think of him, but uh, it's on my mind. At number four, we have the Florida State Seminoles. That's right, number four ranked FSU. They were ranked four last week. They're four this week. They're 7-0. and they defeated Duke 38-20 to last week, and Jordan Travis became just the fourth ACC quarterback with at least 15 passing touchdowns and five rushing scores through seven games in the past 20 seasons. Wow, impressive stuff from Jordan Travis. He could be a future NFL QB one day. They play uh, Wake Forest um, next Saturday. Good for them. But yeah, Florida State getting back to their ways since uh, Jameis Winston left. I mean, gosh, that was that was quite a while ago. James Winston, of course, now the backup for the Saints. Actually, is he? Is he like third string now? Usually they bring in Taysom Hill sometimes, but good for FSU at four. Heading into number three. They were three that, uh, They were three uh, last week. They're three this week. No shocker here. Ohio State, 7-0. and They defeated Penn State 20-12 to in a very close matchup. Marvin Harrison Jr. accounted for 50% of Ohio State's receptions with 11 and 50% of the team's receiving yards, 162. They play Wisconsin next Saturday. Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be an absolute killer when he makes it to the NFL. So Ohio State team, 7-0, and looking good. And actually, my mom's friend's daughter, who I actually used to hang out with when we were all little. We used to have little play dates with, like, my mom and her two friends and, like, all their kids. We'd have a big group, and we'd just do stuff. She actually goes to Ohio State, which is pretty cool. And I'm pretty sure my cousin's ex-girlfriend goes there. So... I don't know if we're going to root for Ohio State anymore, but good for them. 7-0. Let's get into the number two team, which, gosh, dang it, they could very well be number one. This team is absolutely insane. Number two, Michigan, the Wolverines. These, oh my gosh, this team is so freaking good. They destroyed Michigan State 49-0. to 
Uh, that victory was the most it has ever scored at Michigan State and account for its largest margin of victory in East Lansing. I mean, absolutely insane. They get a bye week next week. Then November 4th, they play Purdue. I mean, Michigan is just a powerhouse. I mean, they blew out the U. They blew up the Golden Gophers, which I don't really care that much about. But destroying Michigan State, winning the Battle of Michigan, 49 rip. This team is going to be a problem. J.J. McCarthy is just coming into his own. The wide receivers are good. The defense is good. The running backs are good. I mean, this Michigan team is super good. And it's my dad's, um, his company, Alro Steel. They're huge Michigan supporters, so he always gets to go to Michigan games. And, man, oh, man, they are just killers. Michigan, super good. And number one, obviously, coming off of their bye week, you couldn't knock them down just because they didn't play 7-0. and The Georgia Bulldogs, my goodness. Georgia Bulldogs enter next week's game against Florida on a 24-game winning streak, the fourth longest, longest, I was going to say largest, fourth longest in SEC history. They've also won 17 straight games against SEC East opponents, which is also the fourth longest since divisions were created in 1992. Wow, yeah, they play Florida at 3.30 on CBS next weekend. Florida is unranked, so I mean, we'll see how Georgia does, but good for the Bulldogs, undefeated 7-0. Man, this team is an issue, but, you know, one slip-up, and they could get booted from the top four. We'll see what happens, though. The only other undefeated team not on the top 25 list is actually Liberty University. Huh, how about that? Georgia's at one. Ohio State's at three, Air Force is 19, Washington's five, Michigan's at the two, Florida State's at the four, Oklahoma's at the six, and James Masson at the 25. Yeah, your current top four teams, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State. All a bunch of killers. College football, always so entertaining. And honestly, the games seem to be more entertaining than the NFL. They, they don't feel scripted in the slightest. I mean, there's no talk of that even. These are real college students. These are young, young men playing the game. You love to see it. And uh, yeah, this might be a this might be a weekly thing though. I did enjoy going over all the teams, going over what's happened of sorts. But yeah, we got nine undefeated teams. We'll see how many last. But yeah, it's getting down to the uh, halfway point of football season of sorts. You know, once once November starts going, you know, January's looming. Super Bowl, um, the uh, all the bowls actually for uh, college football. So many different bowls they do. I wonder if uh, Minnesota will make any. I don't know. My girlfriend goes there. And I don't give them much hope, but hey, it is what it is. Um, do we want to talk about week seven of the NFL yet? I don't know. I might actually go over our little surprise topic. It's nothing much. I was just going to talk about some of the TV shows I've been watching recently, but let me plug my company first. If, if anyone's listened to any past episodes, you should know that I actually am part of a company. That is right. It's called Evergrowing Co. We're selling sweatshirts. And all proceeds go to Mankato Youth Place, which is where I currently go to college. I'm at Minnesota State University in Mankato. The company is through that. We, uh, we're part of this program called the Integrated Business Experience. We get a loan. We have to start a business. All of our money goes to charity. So if you guys want to buy a sweatshirt, $45, very high quality. They look super good. Um, we were actually a uh, volunteer yesterday at the our charities. They had a mile walk. We got a lot of sales. We made about $1,300 in sales. It was amazing. These sweatshirts are super good. Empowering message on the back. Keep going. Keep growing. Got two colors right now. We got um, sand and charcoal. We also have a limited edition color dropping soon. I'll have to reveal that to you. But yeah, if not, if you don't want to buy anything, drop a follow, leave a like on uh, Facebook and Instagram. I'm currently the only one running social media. I really need help because... 
I just, I can't do it alone. I mean, I already run this podcast. I run my own personal account. We'll see what happens. Though. Oh, actually, looking on now, we actually received a chat, and it was just a like from uh, one of the charities we were at. But, yeah, we appreciate if you guys check that out. Very much, uh, very much appreciate it. I'll say that. Also, I uh, at that mile place run, I found about out about this Ivy level hydration drink. It's like a it's like a Gatorade of sorts called Hoist. They have some very good flavors, and I might actually start pushing for a sponsorship. So if you guys see that on my Instagram posts, just know that uh yeah, I would love to get sponsored, and that would be super cool to so make a little money off of this. But as for now, we just do it for fun. Episode thirty five today. I just find that so crazy. And Man, I'll tell you what's been crazy. All these shows I've been watching, you know, I've been watching Gen V, uh, this uh, the boys spinoff show. Um, I've been watching the new season of Loki, Loki season two, and of course the Sopranos. I'm almost done with the Sopranos. I think I'm on episode four of the final season now. So I have like, what's 21 minus four? I have like 17 episodes left. Then I'm done with the Sopranos. It's absolutely crazy. But yeah, Gen V. Super good show, I believe. Um, they have two episodes left. It's basically an American. It's like a superhero television series, just made by the guys who made The Boys. If no one knows about what The Boys are, I mean, you need to look up that show. It's on Amazon Prime. Super entertaining, but um, yeah, just crazy, crazy ending to the last episode. If anyone's been watching it, uh, there's just about all the superheroes. I'm trying to remember all the names of the characters. It's so so easy. It's like when you when you watch a show once a week, but like, you know, you're doing other things. You kind of forget about the characters' names off the top of your head unless they're memorable, like Tony Soprano or Rick Grimes or Ragnar Lothbrok, you know, names like that. But yeah, basically the show about these superheroes, there's this one named Marie. She has like these blood powers. I mean, super gory show. If you're, if you don't let little kids watch this, but um, then there's like, uh, like, oh, they all have superhero names, man. It's just, it's just such a good show. Um, I always I always thought about like breaking down episodes, but it's actually always tougher than I realized to um, go over episodes because eventually you have to like you actually have to go back through the episode after originally watching it, take notes on it of sorts. It's it's way more difficult than I thought, but yeah, we're on to episode seven now. Um, basically, last episode. If anyone's watched it, you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hope that you guys watch some of it. I mean. Kate, which is actually this superhero that can, like, if she touches you with her hands, she can make you do anything she wants. It's a pretty scary thing. She traps Marie, who has, like, blood powers. She's kind of, like, freshman sorts. Jordan, who can change between, like, a boy and a girl and can basically, like, manipulate. She has, like, just strength and stuff. And Andre, who's actually the son of this other, like, super legendary superhero called Polarity. He can, like, bend metal and stuff, I'm pretty sure. Super strength. Um, Kate's imaginary friend, who's actual, who's actually Soldier Boy. Um, she was like appearing in her head and stuff, and she like trapped them all in her head and stuff. It was super, super crazy. Love Soldier Boy. Love that actor. Um, what is his name? Starts with an A. His last name starts with an A. I don't know. Super good. Um, trapped them in their head. They basically all found out about all her memories. Uh, she, Luke, was basically this um, superhero called um, Oh gosh, is what Golden Boy. Was it wasn't it, oh, was it Golden Boy or something? But he was a super good character. He, they killed him to start off the show. Spoiler alert! And in basically, they found out that she was manipulating him. He has a brother, and she was trying to make make him forget about him. There's like people in the, like the higher ups, the elites. They're trying to like take out soups and stuff or learn to manipulate them. 
and Sam, the brother of Luke, who she'd been manipulating, she finds out about him. He almost kills her. But Emma, who's like the love interest of him of sorts, uh, Marie's roommate, he's able to settle it uh, down. She's able to settle it down over him. And now it's looking like they had this like doctor. He created like this serum that like killed soups. So now I think this evil lady's trying to uh, use it against them. So they're all going to try and stop her. And that's the gist of the TV show. But super gory, super like they have so many shocker scenes of sorts. But yeah, it's a super good show. And maybe maybe after the next episode, which I think comes out on Thursdays, I will uh, take some notes and go over it more. But yeah, Gen V's been super good. I'm ready for the boys season four. It's probably going to be the final season. Um, it's boys, of course, with uh, Homelander. I mean, how? What's? Oh my gosh, Billy Butcher. It's just been, it's been a blast watching that show. But um, they always take so long to come out with a new season, and when shows take too long, kind of kills the vibe. One show that took a long time, which I've also been watching, is the new season of Loki on Disney Plus. Loki, played by Tom Hiddleston, season two, off to a pretty good start. Um, basically, honestly, I mean, there's not really even a, like, you could watch season one into season two with no break. Like, it just goes straight into it. Three episodes have, uh, gone by so far. There's currently three left. No one comes out October 26th. What is that? October 26th is Thursday, if I'm not correct. Yeah, I'm Thursday. I'm very much correct. Yeah, but, uh, season two, off to a good start. I mean, basically the TVA, uh, Loki now works for them. Um, and uh, Mobius is back, of course, and they have this guy named Obor- Ouroboros, who is, um, oh, who's Ouroboros? It's, is it Jackie Chan? Is it that who Ouroboros is? I believe so. Um, but yeah, it's such a good show. It's always fun. It's always, it's probably like the best Disney Plus show, personally, in my opinion, that the Disney has put out, especially for their MCU. Um, but yeah, they've been working together. They're trying to find Sylvie, of course, the other variant of Loki, his like love interest of sorts. Uh, Hunter B-15, of course, the the black lady from the show, super strong, short hair and sorts. Uh, they've been looking for, um, what's his face, uh, Kang, but he's like a variant of him. Miss Minutes is now with him, Renslayer, another like one of the villains on there. And they were all looking for her, and they finally found her on the last episode. But Miss Minutes, like the virtual clock or whatever, the made-up thing, is actually uh, finessing over... Um, he Who Remains, or what's his name? Kang, basically, one of his variants. And now, it looks like, uh, after the last episode, they're now going to be uh, Mobius and Sylvie and... What's his name? Loki, of course, are going to be talking to Kang and basically trying to find out more about him and what's going on. But who knows what the MCU is setting up. It's been kind of dull. As of late, I won't lie, the Marvels movie has zero hype behind it. I have no interest to watch that in the slightest. Hopefully my girlfriends or one of my friends does not push me to go because I will might end up going and I know I'll regret it because the first movie was not that good at all. But hey, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, 3 was amazing. I really got to watch that again. And Loki has been good so far. So happy to see what comes of Gen V and Loki as both those seasons wind to an end around the same time. And of course, The Sopranos, one of the greatest written shows of all time. Some proclaim that it is. Love Tony Soprano. Love the whole mafia, the whole vibe of that. I'm getting down to the wire. Down to the wire. And uh, with that show. So it's been a blast. I also have been playing Mafia games on Xbox. Mafia 1, 2, and 3. Some of my favorite games. And yeah, it's just super fun. Oh, but man. I thought Tony Soprano died. I thought his uh, uncle actually shot him to end the season. But it turns out that was not the clip. That's, that's actually how it opened up season 6. So I actually have no idea 
how the series comes to an end. Because I've heard it has a bad series finale, like one of the worst written in TV history. Doesn't it end with like them all at a dinner and like the FBI breaks in and it just ends? That's all I know at the moment. But um, I don't know. I'll see how it plays out. Probably in the next, uh, probably by December, I should have The Sopranos finished. So we'll see what happens. But with UFC 5 coming out, who knows if I'll have time to watch The Sopranos. I've also been watching The Lord of the Rings movies as I've been reading The Lord of the Rings books. I mean, I, I just watch so many things. So many things cloud my vision. Got to remember to read the Bible. Praise God. Honestly, that's my, that's my motivation for the week. But yeah, Gen V, Loki, The Sopranos, those have been my shows at the moment. Um, man, Gen V, super good. Loki. Loki's been alright. I've been I enjoyed I watched Gen V with every episode with my uh roommate. But uh, I've actually probably enjoyed Gen V more than Loki. Loki's been alright. It's kinda it's just like every episode so far with Loki's just kinda ended leaving me with like, oh, there wasn't really a cliffhanger here. You know, I have no interest in next week. Or Gen V, every episode ends like, oh, I want more. And for The Sopranos, I mean it's on Max right now. I can watch it. So Sopranos is probably my favorite out of those three. But, uh, yeah, we're over that. Not really much to say about that, but I'll tell you what we do have a lot to talk about. Obviously, UFC 294, but we're saving that for the end as we're going to talk about week seven of the NFL. I need a little water break. I need to have some of this hoist, which keeps me hydrated of sorts. So I'm going to have some of that. I encourage you all to pick up some hoist. I know they sell them at Hy-Vee, so if you want to get it there. But um, after I have a quick sip, then I'll be on to talk about week seven of the NFL. Ah, yes. Week seven of the NFL. Pretty good week. A lot of upsets. I did not do well in my predictions at all. I got four matchups correct as of right now. If the Vikings win, that'll make five. It's looking like my mom's actually going to win our little pick'em league. So good for her. I always like when she wins. That always that always makes me happy. I always enjoy seeing that kicking off the week we have the Jaguars taking on the Saints and man it was a back and forth matchup between both of these teams with the Jaguars come out on top 31 to 24 Travis Etienne putting up 22.7 fantasy points he had two rushing touchdowns 53 yards and caught three passes for 24 yards he was doing a great job Trevor Lawrence 204 yards and a touchdown was getting it done actually led the day in rushing with 59 rushing yards Calvin Ridley the biggest disappointment for me personally fantasy wise and of the day one catch five yards but Christian Kirk six catches 90 yards and a touchdown getting it done for this Jaguars team very happy for them they are now five and two atop the AFC South positive points four and points against two they're on a little four game win streak but this was a tough one for them New Orleans did not make it easy Derek Carr 301 yards a touchdown and pick Kamara ran for 62 yards and caught 12 passes for 91 yards putting up an impressive 29 points in fantasy saints unfortunately suffering a tough l here um they are now third in the nfc south at three and four but they do have a plus six points four points against a little two-game losing streak though unfortunate for the saints this was a very close matchup though i uh I will say that the Jaguars are winning. Saints had a little comeback, a lot of penalties at the end. Jaguars are able to come out on top. So good for the Jags. They'll keep it rolling. Um, who do they? Who the Jaguars actually got next week? Jags play the Steelers next weekend for Halloween weekend. And the Saints, who the Saints got matched up with? They're going to Indianapolis to play the Colts. Good for, good for them. That's a, that's a winnable game, honestly, for that team. I can see that. We also had uh, the 12 o'clock games 
for week seven. The Falcons and the Buccaneers. I picked the Bucks. They did not get it done. Falcons win 16 to 13. Young Hoo Kim gets a game winning field goal. Good for them. Atlanta, Desmond Ritter, 250 yards, no turnovers this game. Allegier ran for 59 yards. Bijan Robinson, one rush for three yards. Apparently, he had been battling an illness, so we'll give them the benefit of the doubt, but still sucky for any of Bijan fantasy owners. Tell you what, I was happy with, though. Mike Evans, six catches, 82 yards, and a touchdown. Dropped 20 points in fantasy football. I love you, Mike, helping my team out tremendously. Baker threw for 275 yards, touchdown and pick. Shot White, 34 yards rushing, but um, yeah, pretty uh, pretty defensive centered game. Falcons are now atop the NFC South, four and three, despite having negative points, four to points against. And the Buccaneers are now in second on a two-game losing streak with a minus one points, four to points against ratio. Um, gosh, I don't really know what to say. Buccaneers just, they always seem to have close games. Falcons are hit or miss each week. NFC South is going to be a grind between the Falcons, Buccaneers, and Saints. Unless the Panthers go on an insane winning streak, which I honestly don't. I'm not going to doubt them, though. But I will say the Panthers have played the exact same amount of games now as the Buccaneers and have actually scored more points than them. So this Buccaneers team needs to step up if, step up if they're going to compete with some of the better teams. Raiders and Bears was our next matchup and gosh darn it I can't believe it the Bears get it done ladies and gentlemen they beat the Raiders 30 to 12 shout out to Deontay Foreman 16 rushes 89 yards two touchdowns and caught three catches for 31 yards and one touchdown as he drops an astounding astounding 33 fantasy points exactly in PPR leagues. Bears are now 2-5, and five, not even the worst team in the NFC South. They're now a third from worst, actually. Good for the Bears. Happy for them. They're only minus 30 now in points for to points against. Don't really know um, what they're going to do next week. I mean, who do they play in week 8? The Bears have a date with the Chargers on Sunday Night Football, it looks like. Ooh, that should be a doozy for them, but man, I really thought the Raiders would get it done. They uh, did not offer much for the eyes in this one. It was pretty, pretty bad. I mean, ugh, just getting, getting nothing going. Brian Hoyer, uh, zero, zero touchdowns, threw for 120 yards, 129 yards and two interceptions. O'Connell came in, 75 yards, a touchdown and interception. Josh Jacobs only ran for 35 yards. Devontae Adams, seven catches, 57 yards. Jaquim Myers, seven catches, 50 yards, and a touchdown. Just wasn't getting it done. This Bears defense came up big, 18 um, uh, fantasy points. I think they scored a touchdown, if I'm not incorrect. They look good. DJ Moore even got 13.4 yards as Tyler Begent makes his debut, 162 yards and a touchdown. A lot of, lot of checkdowns for him, but uh, he managed to get it done. And man, that boy, you could tell that boy is hood. Oh my gosh, he's got a lot of tattoos. Just how he talks is where it is. Hat guy to sideways. I was rocking with him. Raiders now second in the AFC West, three and four. On a, coming off of a loss now, not a not a very pretty points points differential. I think it's up to minus forty nine now. So yikes, not too sh not too shabby in the offense and defensive departments, but all hope is not lost. You guys can definitely rally if you put your minds to it. And we put our minds to the next game, the Browns and the Colts. Probably the best game of the noon games, in my opinion. In my opinion, it came down to the wire. This was so competitive. Browns win 39-38. So many lead changes, but uh, it's actually uh, Cleveland getting it done. Uh, Deshaun Watson coming out with a concussion after throwing a one, one for five for five yards and a pick. 
came out. Walker, P.J. Walker comes back in, 178 yards and an interception. Not doing it well, but this defense comes up big. Jerome Ford, 74 yards and a touchdown. Kareem Hunt, 31 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Was getting it done. Amari Cooper, though, two catches, 22 yards. Letting me down. My goodness. Browns scrape out with a win. They're now 4-2, and two, but are third in the AFC North. AFC North turned out to be one of the better divisions of the NFL. A little two-game win streak for them. They're up plus 19 in point differential. This Colts team, I got a feel for them. They're now 3-4 and four in the AFC South. Two-game losing streak, only minus 13-point differential. Gardner Minshew, 305 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Jonathan Taylor rushed for 75 yards at touchdown. Zach Moss rushed for 57 yards. Joshua Downs, 125 yards on five catches for a touchdown. He was getting it done. Pittman had two catches for 83 yards and a touchdown. Just sadly not enough, man. The refs, a lot of calls in this game. A lot of interesting things. But this Browns team. Could be special this season. One of the few games I picked correctly this week, as I predicted the Browns would win next weekend. Who do these teams play? Um, it's um, Let me check this out, actually. Uh, the Browns will be visiting the Seahawks. Ooh, that'll be a... That'll be a competitive one for the Browns. And as for the Colts, they will be playing the Saints. So I think winnable games in both of those matchups, but uh, certainly not easy. Keeping us rolling with our noon slate, we had the Commanders and the Giants, one of the bigger upsets of the week. This one was very unexpected as we head into the NFC East. Giants are now 2-5. and five. This was not a pretty win by any means, but they get it done. Darren Waller, 22.8 fantasy points. He was getting it done. Seven catches, 98 yards, and a touchdown. Tom Tyrod Taylor, 379 yards, two touchdowns, was doing it. Saquon rushed for 77 yards. And uh, the wide receiver, Hyatt, two catches for 75 yards. Saquon even caught a touchdown on one of his three catches for 41 yards receiving. Good for him. Giants, 2-5 and five now. Crazy. They've been able to rally now. Where are they on? A little, little one-game winning streak now. Still have, uh, do they have the worst off? They have the worst offense in the league still. They're the, oh, they're, actually, the Giants are the only team, I think, to not break 100 points for yet. They're at 85. Yep, they are the worst offense in the league still, unfortunately. Sam Howell, 249 yards and interception. I mean, a lot of players are rushing. Bijan rushed for eight rushes, 23 yards and a touchdown. Terry McLaurin, six catches, 90 yards, was trying to do his best. But just nothing going. This Giants defense coming up big in this game. Commanders are now three and four, though. One game losing streak, minus 50 point differential. So clearly the defense needs to do something, and the offense needs to do something if the commanders have any hope of being able to compete. They do play the Eagles next week, which I think is a winnable game. The Commanders always seem to upset the Eagles, but it's not in a primetime spot. It will be kicking off the noon slate, so I might have to go with the Eagles for that matchup, unfortunately. As for the Giants, they will be taking on the Jets, so we have a little New York battle going on. Lions and Ravens were another one of the, I wouldn't really call it an upset you know, it kind of was an upset, but I'll just say it was more shocking seeing this Lions team collapse. Lions are now 5-2. and two. They find themselves at third in the NFC now, but, um, you know, still got plus 21-point differential. This was a tough loss, but, man, that Ravens team, Lamar leading the charge, getting it done. They win 38-6, to six, shut out the Lions in the first half. What was it? I think it was 28 to 0 at halftime if I'm not. Yeah, it was 28 to 0 at halftime. It's Ravens team now 
only given up 97 points. Point differential is plus 74 on a little two-game win streak. Let me read you the stat sheet for this Baltimore team as Lamar Jackson throws for 357 yards, three touchdowns, rush nine times for 36 yards and touchdown, having an amazing 33.88 fantasy performance. Mark Andrews, 22.3 points in fantasy on National Tight Ends Day. He caught um, four catches for 63 yards and two touchdowns. Gus Edwards, man. Oh, my gosh. Gus Edwards on my bench in one of my fantasy leagues, dropping 22 points. I mean, he rushed 14 times, 64 yards, and a touchdown, and he caught one catch for 80 yards. Gus Edwards, a guy, give it to you. You've earned yourself a starting position, I think, next week. I think I think, I think, Gus is going to be a starter now on the team. If he keeps performing like that, my goodness, my goodness. Such impressive performance from them. As for Detroit, Jared Goff, 284 yards and an interception. Kept getting sacked, could not do anything. Jameer Gibbs, the lone touchdown, 11 rushes, 68 yards. He was the only good part of this team, 27 fantasy points. Amon Ross St. Brown, not too shabby, 23 fantasy points. He's turned out to be one of the best wide receivers in fantasy football, even in the league. 13 catches, 102 yards. And Sam Laporta, 6 catches, 52 yards, doing the most he could. Even Jameer Gibbs getting 9 catches for 58 yards. And those were just a little dump-offs just because this offensive line could not stop the Ravens. The Ravens were hot this week. They got it done, and you can best bet I'll be riding with them going forward. My goodness. My goodness, man. Lions, they got a date next week with the Raiders on Monday Night Football. That is a very winnable game, especially at home. And the Ravens, they travel to the travel to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. So two winnable games for both these teams. They might be meeting in the playoffs. Who knows if they keep um keep up their winning ways. Then, who I think this dude. Let me look at my uh, the slate real quick. This yep, this was the biggest upset of the week so far, unless the Vikings beat the 49ers, as the Patriots beat the Bills. I could not believe I was even watching that. As every time I checked in, they went 29 to 25. Crazy stuff. I know no one was picking the Patriots in this one. Bills are now 4-3 and three despite having a plus. Oh, my gosh. No way. They have a plus 80 point differential. Plus 80. And they lose to the Patriots, who are minus, was, minus 76 in point differential. Patriots are now 2-5. and five. Are they the worst team? They're tied for the worst team still in the AFC, but honestly, not even tied for worse than the league. I mean, this Patriots team, I could not believe it. Um, very, very close matchup. I mean, from the get-go, Patriots went up 10-0. Then it was 10-3, 13-3, 13-10, 16-10. Then they went up, uh, what was it, 20? No, they went up 19, I believe it was. And then um, it was 19-10. Bills came back, got two touchdowns. They were then up 20. They were up 25-2, I believe it was... I can't even try to recall the game, but I just know the Bills were winning at one point. The the Patriots were able to rally, get it done. Mac Jones throws for 270 yards and two touchdowns. Ezekiel Elliott, 11 rushes, 31 yards and a touchdown. More of a goal line puncher. Kendrick Bourne, six catches, 63 yards and a touchdown. He was getting it done. Mike Gusecki had two two, uh, catches for uh, a touchdown. And, uh, yeah, getting it done. But Buffalo, I don't know what happened. Uh, Allen had 24 fantasy points. Stephon Diggs, 17.8 fantasy points. James Cook, 19 fantasy points. This defense just collapsed. Josh Allen, 265 yards, two touchdowns. Did throw a pick. Very costly. James Cook, 13 rushes, 56 yards. Notable three catches, 46 yards, and a touchdown. Dalton Kincaid leads the day in receptions. Eight catches for 75 yards. Josh Allen ran in a touchdown on one of his seven rushes. 
And, uh, yeah, dig six catches, 58 yards, and a touchdown. But, man, this Patriots team getting it done. Good win for them. Bills really got to – you know, I saw someone describe this as the Bills play to the level of their competition. They're either playing up, such as when they're beating the Dolphins, or they're playing down, like when they're playing the Pats. Next weekend, that will be a, a sure test as they play the Buccaneers on Thursday Night Football. Quick turnaround. Very winnable game. Um, as for the Patriots, they will be taking on the Dolphins. So their defense will need to come up big in that one. But honestly, savor this. Good win for the week. Congrats, Patriots. Cardinals and Seahawks was another matchup we had. Actually, that was part of the 330 slate. Yeah. Seahawks beat the Cardinals. Um, what was the final score of that game? 20 to 10. Nothing, nothing really much going on, if I'm being honest. Going on down in the uh, NFC West. Cardinals are now 1-6, uh, second-worst team in the league, four-game losing streak. Um, as for Seahawks, 4-2, second in the NFC West. Coming off of a big win here. Good for them. Uh, James Smith and Jigba, 16.3 fantasy points. He caught one touchdown on one of his four catches for 63 yards. Geno Smith, though, I mean, only only had 18 completions for two touchdowns and a pick on 219 yards throwing. Kenneth Walker rushed for 105 yards doing his thing. And Bobo, the wide receiver, four catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown. Good for him. Tyler Lockett not really getting involved. I thought he would. Unfortunately, he might be towards the end of his career. Joshua Dobbs, 146 yards on 19 completions. Didn't really do much. DeMarcado rushed for 58 yards. Joshua Dobbs actually rushed for 43 yards and touchdown. Found that out. Marquise Brown, three catches, 49 yards, leads the day. Cardinals team, I don't know what they're going to do. They definitely need Kyler Murray back, without a doubt. Seahawks, just keep doing your thing. You get DK Metcalf back next week. Good for you. Cardinals got a Seahawks play the Browns next week, as I mentioned. They host them. The Cardinals will play the Ravens. Oh, yikes. So we'll, see how, we'll see how that turns out. I have very low hopes for that. Steelers and Rams, another 330 matchup. Good win for the Steelers in this one, 24-17. Sweated it out like some dogs. My roommate is a huge Steelers fan. He was very ecstatic. They were able to squeak this one out. Rams are now 3-4 and four with a plus 14-point differential. Now on a one-game losing streak, they find themselves at third in the NFC West. Yikes. But as for their opponents, the Steelers, man, a tough second in the AFC North, 4-2, and two-game two win streak. They do have a minus 24-point differential, but that can be overlooked. As their offense did pretty decent. Kenny Pickett, you know, 230 yards, no turnovers. Najee Harris rushed for 53 yards and a touchdown. Warren rushed for 32 yards and a touchdown. And Kenny Pickett even punched one in for a touchdown. George Pickens, five catches, 107 yards, leads the day. Deontay Johnson, five catches, 79 yards. Rams, I don't know what happened, man. Matt Stafford, a touchdown and a pick. Uh, Royce Freeman rushed for 66 yards. Daryl Henderson Jr. rushed for 61 yards and a touchdown. They didn't even play Zach Evans after fantasy football had him projected for 11 fantasy points, so I'm very pissed about that. I had him playing, assuming he would be the lead back. I guess not. Puka, eight catches, 154 yards, 2 to at 12, one catch for a touchdown on 31 yards. Cooper Cup, only two catches, 29 yards. Not really getting involved. It was the Puka show on this game. Good win for the Steelers. Tough loss for the Rams, I'll be honest. That's a very tough loss. They'll definitely need to bounce back next week. Um, Rams and Steelers, who they play next week? Um, I literally have all the games. Left. Rams play the Cowboys. Yikes, that should be a interesting one if they can get past them. As for the Steelers, they will be playing the Jaguars. Ooh, so tough matchups for both these teams in their next games. But honestly, you know what? I think they can do it. Chargers and Chiefs was another one, one of the four games I picked correctly. Chiefs just... Outclass the Chargers. Honestly, it was looking like it was going to be a historic blowout 
in the first half. Well, luckily, the second half, they got more under control, but it was not looking pretty in the first half. I mean, first half stats, I mean, so Patrick Mahomes ended the day with 424 yards, four touchdowns and an interception. In the first half, he had like 330-something yards and three touchdowns. He was going crazy. But check out only 32 rushing yards, was able to haul in a touchdown, though, for four catches and 20 yards. I appreciate that. Travis Kelsey putting up an insane 35.9 fantasy points. He was on fire this game. I repeat, fire 12 catches, 179 yards and a touchdown. He could not be stopped. She Rice, five catches, 60 yards and a touchdown. Valdez Scantling, three catches, 84 yards and a touchdown. I mean, everyone was catching touchdowns in this game. Chargers man, Herbert, 259 yards, a touchdown through two picks. Eckler only 45 yards. It's actually Josh Kelly for uh, rushing for 75 yards at a touchdown who led the day rushing. Joshua Palmer, five catches, 133 yards. Gerald Everett on one of his three catches. Hauled in the only touchdown for the uh, that uh, Justin Herbert threw. But yeah. Top fantasy performances in that game. I mean, Palmer at 18.3, but it's Kelsey with 35. Patrick Mahomes, 33.86. And Dallas Scantling, even at 17.4. Chiefs are 6-1. They have an impressive plus 73-point differential on a six-game win streak. It's looking like they're just going to take over the AFC. I mean, the Dolphins are out here losing to the Bills and to the um, Eagles. So I feel if the Chiefs and Dolphins made Chiefs can get past them. Chiefs always seem to beat the Ravens. Jaguars would not be an issue for the Chiefs. Man, Patrick Mahomes era just continues to roll on. But stop showing me Taylor Swift. I'm so annoyed about Taylor Swift. I'll tell you what didn't annoy me, though. All right, as I said on our last episode on the Week 7 pickups, I was going to pick the Packers. So if they won, I'd get the pick correct. But if they lost, I'd be happy they lost. And by gosh, start it. The Broncos did it. Broncos beat the Packers 19-17, to getting it done, doing their thing. Broncos are now 2-5. and five. When I'm going to talk about their points for to points against, it is absolutely insane at minus 69. But hey. They're getting it done. The Packers, I mean, Jordan Love had us all fooled that he was good, but now they're two and four, minus two point differential on a three game losing streak. Third in the NFC North. I mean, not really much to say here. I mean, a 19 to 17 game, it was sloppy. Russell Wilson, 194 yards and a touchdown. I mean, Javante Williams rushed for 82 yards. Cortland Sutton had six catches for 76 yards and a touchdown. He was doing good. Jordan Love threw for 108 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. AJ Dillon rushed for 61 yards. Uh, Receiving-wise, I mean, Romeo Dobbs and Jalen Reed each caught a touchdown, but it's Musgrave, Luke Musgrave, four catches, three yards, had the most catches. Sloppy win for the Broncos, but they get it done. Oh, wow, I cannot believe they did it, but I'm happy they did because now the Vikings, once we win tonight, will be second in the NFC North. I'm all, I'm all here for it. I'm all here for these wins. Uh, next weekend... Uh, week 8, Chiefs will be taking on the Broncos, so a loss for the Broncos. And as for the Packers, they take on the Vikings. Ooh, hopefully we don't get anyone injured tonight. That would really suck. Rounding out our uh, games on Sunday, we had the Dolphins and the Eagles, our final game of Sunday. And, man, I thought the Dolphins were going to get it done, but now nah, this Eagles team is just too good. Eagles win 31-17, to 6-1 now. Plus 45-point differential. Good rebound win for them after getting upset by the Jets. But, I mean, just nothing. Nothing for the Dolphins. They're still 5-2 and two atop the AFC East. A very impressive um, plus 53-point differential. But just some mistakes along the way. Tyreek Hill, though, 25.8 fantasy points. I mean, doing his thing. 11 catches, 88 yards, and a touchdown. 
Tua, 216 yards of touchdown interception. Not an MVP performance. Raheem Mostert held to 45 yards rushing. I mean, the team itself had 45 yards rushing. So, I mean, uh, Ahmed had three yards, and Tua had negative three yards. Jalen Waddle, six catches, 63 yards. Jeff Wilson Jr., two, two catches, 48 yards. This Eagles defense came up massive in this one. But the Miami defense was able to get a touchdown. They had 11 points in total, fantasy-wise. But, man... Eagles just went off. A.J. Brown, 29.7 fancy points. Jalen Hurts, 23 fancy points. Dallas Guard, 18 fancy points. I mean, Jalen Hurts did throw a pick, but had 279 yards, two touchdowns, 21 yards rushing for a touchdown. Gainwell punched in a touchdown. And Devontae Smith, you know, four catches, four inning yards. I want to see him more involved. Goddard had five for 77 yards in interception. But A.J. Brown is looking to be the number one wide receiver on this team. Ten catches, 137 yards, and a touchdown. This Eagles team looks good. I don't really see them slowing. In the slightest, it's just impressive stuff from this Eagles team. Looking to get back to the Super Bowl, get revenge on the Chiefs. Eagles next week will be taking on, bum, 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 if I can scan my sheet. The Eagles will be taking on nobody. They're not on a bye next week. I know they're. Who else? The uh, Dolphins. The Dolphins will be taking on the Patriots. And where is this freaking Eagles team? I, I'm just I'm scanning this too hard. They play the Commanders. I already mentioned that. That just annoys me. Anyways, we'll move on from Week Seven. Vikings will play the 49ers tonight. A must-win game for Vikings fans. We need to do this. We can do this. We can pull off the upset. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, Week Seven was pretty good. Pick 'em wise, I'm hope I hope no one tailed me. I'm sure you didn't, but if you did, I, I apologize. I clear I clearly know nothing about football if I'm only getting four games correct. I mean, I did not see the Falcons winning. Did not see the Raiders losing. I did not see the Giants winning. I, I, I thought the Lions were going to be way better than they were. Ravens just came out scorching. No one had the Patriots game. All right, that was the biggest upset of the week. Rams losing the Steelers in a close one was tough. Packers game, I mean, I just, Broncos, who knows what we're going to get from them. And I guess I should have went with the Eagles. Really should have, looking back on it. But yeah. Me and my girlfriend and my mom are picking the Vikings tonight. I know one of my buddies is. Another one of my buddies has the 49ers, and my dad has the 49ers. So really open the Vikings, can squeak out a win somehow. We'll have to see. But I'll tell you what I did see was UFC 294, which is how we're going to end this episode with a full review of all the fights that went down at UFC 294. It was a very eventful pay-per-view. Um, we're going to get to that in one second. I'm going to drink some of this hoist hydration drink, and then I'll be right back to you. And we are back to round out the episode, our final segment, my favorite segment of every episode. If I don't mention enough, I mean, we are, as I always say, the surprise jab podcast, jab meaning UFC, and that is right, UFC 294, Makachev versus Volkanovski 2, went down this past Saturday. All the fights were entertaining of sorts. We uh, we didn't do too much. We did decent on picks. We went 3-1 for the main card, sitting us at 119-70 and 70 for main card picks for the year, and 490 and 347 all time, so not too shabby. My um, prelim picks, what I go? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. I got 5 correct. We're going to talk about all the fights on this card, go over who I think they should fight next, where they might end up in the rankings, it was a good event. Let's dive right in. Let's not waste any more time. And we kicked off the card with the ever-dangerous, the debuting Shara Magomedov. That is right. The undefeated Shara Magomedov took on Bruno Silva and beat him by unanimous decision, improving to 12 
and oh, it was a pretty entertaining fight. Shara outstrikes him 113 to 65 significant-wise. Total strikes 222 to 107 in favor of Shara. Bruno lands three takedowns for six minutes and 44 seconds of control time. Round one, Shara keeping it on the feet. Outstrikes him 46 to 28. Landing some big shots. I thought he was going to get him out of there. But Bruno Silva turned out to be tougher than anticipated. Was able to survive the strikes and made it to round two, where he was able to go one for two on takedowns and get two and a half minutes of control time. But from the back, Shara was throwing elbows, throwing kicks from the ground. It was absolutely crazy. This guy's so athletic, but was showing a huge hole in his grappling. Round three, kicks off. Shara outstrikes him 94 to 35, but gets taken down twice for four minutes and 19 seconds of control time in favor of Bruto. And despite that, he lost the round. I mean, Bruto did nothing with his takedown. Shara was so active from the back, landing big shots, and gets it done. And honestly, impressed me very much so. It showed that he can deal with stuff. I mean, deal with, like, takedowns and stuff. But the main issue that he has to be careful of in the future is when he faces better grapplers who will shoot right away and work on control time. But Shara, super good debut. Happy to see what's next for him. I know he was already calling to fight on the UFC Shanghai card December 9th. I doubt they'll have him turn around that quick, but you never know. This guy looked good. As for Bruno Silva, he's now on a two-fight losing streak. He's one and four in his last five. Just been a terrible downworld spi- down, downhill spiral for Bruno Silva here. I don't even know what to do with him next, personally. But um, as for Shara, I know Michael Olkajasek, uh, a fellow middleweight, the same weight class that they fought in, was actually calling calling him out of sorts, basically saying like, hey, you know, um, I want to fight you, super, super random. Um, I think he called him a ginger beard. Yeah, this is what he said. I've heard that you were looking for a bump. If it was down to me, I would stick to guarding the gold at the end of the rainbow rather than joining the big boys club. Think twice. Such a random call out from him, but hey, you know what? Shara, 12-0. He'll be able to fight anyone he wants next, and the UFC loves this guy. Moving on next, uh, we had Victoria Dudakova taking on Jing Yufrey, and just as I predicted, she beat her. I know, I thought she'd get a finish here. Almost knocked her out in round one. Was in some big shots round two, but Victoria Dudakova gets the unanimous decision, 29-28 across the board. Lands a knockdown in round one, as I mentioned. Actually outstruck her in round one, 30-16. Round two, Jing Yufrey went to the takedown, got three minutes and 48 seconds control time. They were dead even, 11 significant strikes each, but total strikes in favor of Victoria, 37-28. Round three, Victoria defends the takedowns, outstrikes her 41 to 21, 33 to 20 significantly, and gets the decision. Victoria then revealed after the fight that she had suffered a staph infection and didn't even know if she was going to fight, which Dana did not like that, as he says, why do they announce this right after the fight? But Victoria Dudikova getting it done. She improves to 8-0. She's now 2-0 in the UFC, 3-0 if you include the Contender Series. And keeps it rolling in the women's strawweight division. As for Jing Yu Frey, four-fight losing streak. I mean, she's 2-6 and six in the UFC. She's probably getting cut, if I'm being honest. But she always proves a tough test for anyone she fights. Keeping us rolling, we have my first incorrect pick of the night as Muhammad Naimov defeats Nathaniel Wood by unanimous decision. This was an awkward fight, to say the least. It was 29-28 across the scorecards. Daniel Wood outstrikes Muhammad 50 to 48 significantly, but total Muhammad had more 100 to 70. Takedowns two for seven for two minutes and 44 seconds control time for Nathaniel Wood. For Muhammad Naimov, four for nine, six minutes and 42 seconds of control time. 
A lot of fence grabs, a lot of glove grabs, some groin shots. Mohamed Naimov did not have a pretty uh, fight <laughs> in this one, without a doubt. He is on a little two-fight win streak now, 10-2 and two professionally, but I not like what I really saw from him. Nathaniel Wood, his three-fight winning streak is snapped here. He's now 20-6. and six. But, I mean, just, I mean, round, round one, Mohamed outstruck him. I mean, big shots from both of them. I can't believe they didn't credit any knockdowns in this fight. I thought both these guys landed some. But it was really the grappling which made the difference for Mohamed Naimov. He got outstruck hard in round three. He definitely lost the third round to Nathaniel Wood. But definitely won round two. I mean, round two, Nathaniel Wood only had one significant strike, only six total strikes. It was really just grappling, defending grappling. So Mohamed Naimov gets it done. Like I said, nothing, nothing impressive here. Nathaniel Wood went back and watched the fight and posted on his socials that he was actually pissed about um, how dirty Muhammad Naimov fought. So I don't know what's going to be next, but I mean, I already know that Muhammad Naimov was calling out Edson Barbosa and Alex Caceres. There's no way he's getting those fights after this performance he put on. Nathaniel Wood, I hope you can bounce back, but tough, tough loss for in this one. Good for, good, good for you, Muhammad Naimov. Nonetheless, you get it done. And then we had the most shocking, one of the most shocking moments, definitely one of the most shocking of the prelims, as Mike Breeden beats Anshal Jubilee. If no one had watched my previous show, we talked about this fight. Mike Breeden was on a four, he was 0-3 in the UFC, 0-4 if you include the contender series. Brutal losing streak was taken on undefeated 7-0 Anshul Jubilee. Round one, we get things going in this one, and Anshul's out striking him, 44-29. to 29. Mike was getting nothing going. I thought he was going to get knocked out at times. Round two, Anshul even upped it, 49 total strikes to 31, significant 48-29. to 29. I mean, he was even trying to shoot for takedowns occasionally. was just doing it good, but Anshul Jubilee, 7-0, very young. Round three, started to gas a bit. Mike Breeden hits him with a punch, drops him, lands some follow-up shots, and Mike Breeden upsets Antrell Jubilee down two rounds on a four-fight losing streak. Incredible stuff from Mike Breeden. Mike just saved his UFC career with a win like that. Antrell Jubilee getting upset. Crazy moment. Mike Breeden saying that he hopes to get re-signed, hopefully can get back to the UFC, but I don't know, man. It was it was pretty, pretty crazy. I uh, I will say that um, Angel Jubilee definitely disappointing me, but reminding me why I don't bet. Because if you'd have bet Mike Breed in round three knockout at the live odds, you would have made a lot of money. A big doozy in our next fight as Javid Bashrat versus Victor Henry is ruled a no contest. Um... Round one was competitive. Javid outstriking him 29 to 25 um, significantly, 32 to 30 total. Javid landed one takedown for uh, just about 30 seconds of control time. Round two comes out. We're barely 15 seconds in. Javid lands a groin shot, which looked more like an inside. Like I'm talking, I'm talking directly by the groin, directly by your balls, but not touching your balls, touching the inside of your thigh. He hit him there. Who knows where he hit, but Victor Henry went down and did not end up getting back up. It was ruled a no contest. He actually went to the hospital afterwards. It was throwing up. He's in rough shape. Tough, tough for Victor Henry, but um, as for Javid Bashra, you know, 14 and 0, tough loss for him too. Not a loss. I mean, just a uh, tough, uh, tough not getting it done in this one. I won't lie. Javid did post on his Instagram afterwards saying that he thought it should have been a TKO. He's considering himself 15 and 0. 
not really being the most respectful, but to be honest, I could care less. If I'm being honest, I could care less. Uh, Javid, you know, he'll be back in the next one. I don't know who he's going to fight at bantamweight, but I don't know. Just an awkward, an awkward ending to this fight, and we had another one of those instances later on the main card, so, I mean, this was just repeating. In a very entertaining fight at lightweight, of course, we had Trevor Peak taking on Mohamed Yaya, and my goodness, this fight did not disappoint. Trevor Peak outstrikes him 61 to 43 significantly, total strikes 83 to 47. Trevor lands four takedowns for five minutes of control time. Mohamed landed one for 24 seconds. Round one, Trevor Peak outstriking him. I mean, got taken down, was able to get back up from it, then managed to take him down, was looking dominant. Round two, Trevor Peak picking up the pace, landing some heavy shots. Both of these guys were 23 to 21 in favor of Trevor Peak. And round three, Trevor Peak closed it out 35 total strikes to 14, landed three of four takedowns for two minutes and 45 seconds of control time. Man, Trevor Peak getting it done. His first decision victory in his career, nine and one now professionally. As for Muhammad Yaya, losing his debut just, I don't know if it was gassing, but I mean, Trevor Peak just had his number. I just. Just nothing going, nothing going well for him. Not getting it done. Good win for Trevor Peak. And I'm happy for him. I'm actually very happy that Trevor Peak was able to get it done. Was able to rebound, especially after a tough loss to Chepe Mariscal last time out. But man, oh man, I'm ready to see who this guy fights next. Let's have him fight someone like uh like Gennaro Valdez, another scrappler. He could take on um gosh, what's his name? Oh, my gosh, Joel Alvarez, maybe. He could take on Claw. Oh, he fought Dan Hooker. Who did Dan Hooker? He beat um he beat someone that I'm trying to think of that I think would be a good opponent for Trevor Peak because I kind of want to see this guy thrown into the lightweight mix. I mean, he's super entertaining. I like what he brings. Claudio Puelles, yes, that guy's a jiu-jitsu man. Could, be, could provide a good knockout for Trevor Peak to add to his record. Good win for you, Trevor. I had you winning, and you did. So good for you. And then we got into our final prelim, ladies and gentlemen, and it did not disappoint our top 10 matchup, our first-ranked fighters of the night, as number 11, Mohamed Mokayev, took on number 11, Tim Elliott. And this was just a gritty dogfight from the get-go. Round one, Tim Elliott outstrikes Mohamed Mokayev. 20 to 10 significantly. Total, Muhammad had more 40 to 34. Each man landing a takedown was very competitive. Tim might have actually won the round. I mean, each man landed a takedown and got just about the same. Tim had a minute and 40 seconds of control time. Muhammad, minute 36. But round two, that's where things get interesting. From the get-go, Muhammad Mokayev said, nope, that's not happening. Landed a takedown right off the get-go. This is insane. Muhammad Mokayev control time in round two. Four minutes and 56 seconds. I kid you not, guys. One for one on takedowns. He landed one takedown to start the round. Didn't give it up the rest of the round. All right. Total strike 60 to 33 in favor of Muhammad, but 6 to 3 significant in favor of Tim. Weren't really that significant, if I'm being honest. But, I mean, the grappling of Muhammad Wakaiva was just showing itself here. Uh, Tim was trying to throw up some submissions at times, but Muhammad was not having it. Then we get to round three, the beautiful round three. Muhammad goes one for two on takedowns, a minute and 52 seconds of control time, and with three minutes, actually two minutes left, I should say, three minutes into the third round, Muhammad Wakayev gets an arm triangle from Mount and submits Tim Elliott. Incredible stuff from Muhammad Wakayev. He is now 5-0 and 
in the UFC, 11-0 professionally. He gets a performance bonus, our first performance bonus of the night, and his third straight round three submission, which I just find incredible. Four of his five victories in the UFC are finishes. This guy's an absolute killer. Tim Elliott, tough loss here, snaps his little two-fight win streak. He's now 2-2 two two his last four. I mean, we can go far back and say, like, he's freaking five, four and five his last nine or whatever, but... You know what, Tim Elliott, kudos to him for taking this fight. No one wants to fight this guy. Mohamed Mokayev, he's 23 years old. He's 11-0, and he's now the number 10 ranked flyweight in the world. That's right. He will pass Tim Elliott to move into 10th. I don't know if he's going to pass Matt Schnell to move to 9th, but uh, nonetheless, he will enter the top 10. And sky's the limit for him. I mean, he could take on number 9, Matt Schnell, number 7, Alex Pereira's. I really like a matchup with number 6, Matthias Nikalu. I mean, Kaikar France does seem a bit high for him, but man, oh man, we're going to be getting some good matchups out of this guy. Mohamed Mokayev, very happy that you were able to get the job done. And by the way, before we even get to the main card, fighters with the last name ending in V went undefeated on this card. I mean... At least all the Russians did. Shara Magomedov, Victoria Dudikovo, Mohamed Naimov. Um, we had, uh, who else? Mohamed Mohavaz, I just mentioned. And then four of our main card fighters who fights were able to not be called no contest were able to get it done. It was an immaculate fight. But yeah, good win for Mohamed Mokayev on the prelims. Um, so my official prelims, I went two, two and two, three and two. Four and two. We got five and two. So five and two on the prelims. Not too bad. Sean Magomedov, good debut, remains undefeated. Victoria Duakova, good test here, remains undefeated. Mohamed Naimov getting a sloppy win. I wouldn't really go anywhere with that. Um, Mike Breeden might just saved his UFC career. Oh my gosh, I forgot to mention Cedric Dumas versus Abu Azatir. I cannot believe I forgot to mention this. I completely glazed over this. Nothing happened in this fight, ladies and gentlemen. That's why. Cedric Dumas beat Abu Azatir by unanimous decision. Um, Cedric, one for two on takedowns, four minutes and 10 seconds of control time. Abu had two takedowns for only 30 seconds of control time. Um, quite honestly, nothing happened in this fight. Um, Cedric Dumas does win, though, improves the 9-1. and one. He is now 2-1 and one in the UFC, a little two-fight win streak. Abu has a tier on a two-fight losing streak, 1-2 and two in the UFC. Nothing to say about that fight. I can't believe for, that's one of the first times I've actually just forgotten about a fight when I was talking about the prelims, but yeah. There's that. Javid Bashra versus uh, Victor Henry. An unfortunate result. Trevor Peek in a good win. And Mohamed Mokayev stealing the show on the prelims. And then we got into the star-studded main card as we kick things off between Saeed Nurmagomedov and Moinga Furav in the UFC bantamweight division. And my goodness, ladies and gentlemen. My goodness, we started with an absolute bang right from the get-go. Saeed Nurmagomedov slaps on a guillotine choke, submits Moinga Furov, puts him to sleep in a minute and 13 seconds. Absolutely crazy. I mean, five significant strikes to one. Didn't even matter. So he got a hold of the neck. Actually, Moin shot for a takedown. So he literally just wrapped up his neck and like he had like a guillotine choke in the clinch on the cage. Mohin literally went to sleep. I mean, right when the ref told him to release it, his head just flopped back. Saeed Nurmagomedov, so impressive. He's now 4-1 his last five fights. And so far in the UFC, he has now had, what is it, two? Two submissions, two of the fastest submissions in midweight history. He's got four round one finishes. I mean, this guy is a problem. I'm able to overlook his losses, both close unanimous decisions. As for Moving Gafurov, I mean, now he's 0-2 in the UFC, also lost in the Contender Series. 
I wouldn't bring this guy back in. But I mean, Sidney Magomedov, so good. I saw someone suggest he should fight Kyler Phillips next, an unranked bantamweight. I really like that, but honestly, I would not mind throwing him in the rankings against someone like Adrian Yanez, Ricky Simone, guys like that. But um, good win for Sidney Magomedov. I projected he would get a round one submission, and he did, so I was very happy about that. I also had Muhammad Mokayev getting a submission. I was happy about that. Um, other than that, I think I just did. I had Shara Magomedov getting a round one sub. No. Victoria do a call for round two sub. No. Daniel Wood decision. No. So it was nice to see uh, my round one submission work. And then our next fight. Ikram Alcacero versus Walray Alvarez. I had Ikram winning with a round one knockout, and by gosh darn it, Ikram is so freaking good. He TKOs Walray Alvarez, knocks him out in two minutes. This guy definitely should have fought Nazarene Imabov. Of course, Walray Alvarez stepped down on short notice. Ikram Alcacero was supposed to fight Nazardine Imabov, who's actually the number 11 ranked middleweight in the world, said he took on um, Walray Alvarez. Shout out to Walray. But, I mean, Ikram outstrikes him 26 to 12, drops him, knocks him out. These were some tough shots. He actually dropped him with a jab. It was crazy. The power of this guy, Ikram Alcacero, improves the 15-1, 2-0 in the UFC, and a win on the Contender Series. All those by round one. Um, not for his career, just in the UFC so far. Two round one knockouts and a round one submission on the Contender Series. Love to see it from Ikram. As for Walray Alvarez, he's on a three-fight losing streak now. One and four in the UFC. His last five fights, I uh, I don't know what to do with Walray Alvarez. But Ikram, my goodness, get this man get this man in the in the rankings. My goodness, he is he is so talented. Okay, and he was supposed to fight Paulo Costa, the number six guy. Instead, he fights Nazardine. So these guys don't even want to fight him, right? You put him against any top 15 guy, right? I favor him against number 15, number 14, 13, 12, 11, 10. I'd even say 9, 8. Seven. I mean, we're talking, I think this guy could fight into the top five, all right? Number 8, Jack Romanson could be someone who's next. Um, Nazanin Imovov just rebooking that. Maybe even Chris Curtis. Ikram, a lot of options on the table for him. Really hope that he can have a quick turnaround because this guy is super, super talented. Keeping us rolling, unfortunately, we had a bit of a doozy here as Magomed Ankalaya versus Johnny Walker is ruled a no contest. It was a very awkward situation. I mean, the fight was going well. Johnny was out striking him a bit, 14 to 13 significant wise, 17 to 16. Magomed landed a takedown two minutes in, was able to get a minute control time before he threw a knee to the head of a grounded opponent. Very awkward scenario where the doctor asked Johnny Walker, where are you? And he said, I'm in the desert. And the ref said he's not fit to continue. It was so awkward. The entire place was booing. I was booing. I feel for both of these guys. It just sucks. Really sucks for Magomed. This guy hasn't fought since December. And now he has a no contest against Johnny Walker. I mean, just tough going for Magomed. I say rebook this fight. I say rebook this fight pronto. I mean, if and if the... Let's say Johnny Walker has to have a medical suspension. All right, get Magomed a fight. All right, get ask Kamblovich if he wants to rematch him. Have Alexander Rockets fight him. Have Nikita Krylov fight him. Just get get Magomed a fight. This guy's in that number two spot in the light heavyweight division. He's been trying to fight. Unfortunate result in this one. Best we can do is run it back, or just I don't even know. Tough, tough one here. This was an L. This was an L. Unfortunate. An unfortunate L in what had been a pretty entertaining card. I mean, we get, I mean, so like I pretty much started watching with a huge group of people. I was at my buddy's house. 
Um, one of them has like his parents over and stuff. And the home Muhammad Mokaya fight versus Tamilia fight was wrapping up. That was a pretty good finish. Then we get two round one finishes, both pretty fast. And then you have this doozy. So fortunate result, but hopefully these boys can run it back or just fight soon. Really, just fight soon. Co-main event kicked off next as number one and number four welterweight contenders, Kamaru Usman and Hamza Chimaya, fought in the middleweight division. And this one was crazy. I mean, let me just let me just say, uh, Paul Costa really, really would have been interesting to see him fight Hamza Chimaev. But round one, we kick things off. No touch of gloves. Hamza Chimaev goes for the takedowns right away. Lands two on Kamaru Usman. Kamaru Usman had only been taken down once in his whole career. I mean, the ratio before this fight was 59 takedowns landed, only one given up. That's a 97% defense rate. In this fight, Hamzat goes 4 for 12, Usman 0 for 1. Hamzat dominated on the ground. Round 1, Hamzat takes him down right away, landed a bunch of strikes, going for submissions. Couldn't put Usman away. Usman was super, super well reversed, keeping himself in it. But 4 minutes and 35 seconds of control time. Hamzat outstrikes him 61 to 5, 16 to 3 significantly. It was a crazy good round one for Hamzat Chimaev, a 10 8 on the judges' scorecards. For me, at least, I had it 10. I think, yeah, all judges had 10 8. Everyone had it 10 8. Super good fight. Round two, so not fight, round. Round two, we see it very interesting as Hamzat Chimaev was not his normal self. He completely died off, no aggression, just striking from the outside. He was able to land one takedown on one attempt for 41 seconds of control time. But Usman outstruck him 11 to 9 significantly. They both had 12 total strikes. And it was a very close round. Looking at the stats, I would have probably given it to Hamzat because of the takedown. But in real time, Usman looked like he had won it. Round three, another interesting round. Hamzat, being more civil, goes one for four on takedowns for two minutes of control time. But Usman outstrikes him 41 to 34 total, 22 to 13 significantly wise. Now, it did appear that Hamza won it just from the takedown, just from the strikes landing. They were swinging at the end of the fight. Obviously, total fight, I honestly did think Hamza won. I see, I saw a lot of people saying that, oh, Usman had won. This was a robbery, but I, I disagree. Majority decision for uh, Ham, Hamzat. One judge had it tied. The other two, 29 to 27. I had it 29-27 uh, as well for Hamzat. Chemaev, and wow. Just like that, Hamza Chimaev will probably be fighting for the middleweight championship next against Sean Strickland. I mean, this guy, just insane. 13-0 and now, and this, he is impressive. What is he? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7-0 and in the UFC. 7-0 and in the UFC. Who knows when he'll fight next. He broke his wrist, apparently. That's why he wasn't really throwing anything after round one. Oh, my goodness. This is just insane. As for Kamru Usman, so unfortunate Here's a guy who's on a 15-fight win streak. He's now lost his last three. I mean, there's Leon Edwards and Kamzat Chimaev, so tough competitors. Got out grappled in this one. I don't even know what's next for him, but by the sound of it, he wants to move up to middleweight. He expressed some interest in fighting uh, number three-ranked Robert Whitaker. And honestly, his days at welterweight should probably be over. He looked good at looked good at middleweight, and I, I feel like, you know, you took this fight on short notice. You know, give him a full camp against someone. He could prove to be pretty good. So we'll see what happens with Kamaru Usman, but good win for Hamzat. Chimaev, he'll probably be fighting Sean Strickland next for the belt. That'll be a crazy buildup. And if it's not Sean Strickland, have him fight Paul Acosta, man. Paul Acosta, the pullout king, that man has no children.
After this fight, everyone was amped up for the main event. All the vibes were good. And then, I don't know, you know, the main event is on Makachev, Alexander Volkanovsky. It's, it's bittersweet. It's bittersweet because, you know, I feel, I feel like everyone was kind of in consensus that, you know, Volkanovsky, everyone's rooting for him. He felt like the good guy in this matchup. Taking out a short notice, he had such a close first fight, looked super impressive. But I don't know what happened in this one. I don't know what to happen, what happened in this one. But short notice, definitely an effect. Islam Makachev improving. Islam knocks him out in three minutes with a head kick, lands some brutal follow-up punches. Islam beats Volkanovsky in round one. Absolutely insane. Makachev's win streak improves to 13, tied with now Khabib and Tony Ferguson. This guy is so, so, so good. He's now had three bonuses his last three fights. He's now second title defense is on Makachev, ladies and gentlemen. He's the number three pound-for-pound guy. He just knocked out the number two pound-for-pound guy. If John Jones wasn't at the top, I'd honestly, I'm honestly putting Islam at two, and if they put him to one, I would not be surprised. Also, by the way, Usman was the number seven-ranked middleweight in the world. I mean, number seven-ranked... Um, actually, speaking of the rankings, I mean... Usman was like seventh in pound for pound, and I kind of feel like Hamza will take over maybe in the 10 range or 11. They got to throw Hamza in the pound for pound now or kick Usman off. And as for uh, Volkanovski, he's definitely probably going to drop two two or three spots or something. As far as um, lightweights, as far as middleweight rankings go, I mean, we got to throw Hamza maybe on the middleweight rankings or we have him pass Usman at welterweight. We'll see. But yes, Islam knocks out Volk. Tough loss for Volk. He, uh, Islam's just his kryptonite, man. You know, Usman had Leon Edwards, it turned out. Volk had, um, Islam, it turns out. Asanya had Pahara for a long time. I just, wow. Just wow. Islam Makachev. So legit. I never doubted him. You know, the Cinderella story of Volk taking this on short notice and winning. It was always fun to think of, but never came to fruition unfortunate result but i do i mean, i'm happy for islam good good one for islam gets it done his home country and these guys aren't rivals they're so respectful of each other given given each other their due a lot of respect on this card a lot of respect as for what's next for these two champions volker will turn to featherweight for the foreseeable future probably fight Iotopura next um he wants to fight in january i don't know if that quick of a turnaround's good especially after getting knocked out i might even favor um uh, yeah, to win in that one, but it's just crazy seeing the Volk from earlier this year and seeing the Volk now. True, a full training camp really makes a difference. As for Islam, I mean, he's got options. Charles Oliveira, the rematch, of course. He was supposed to fight him originally. Volk stepped down short notice. You can always rebook that fight. Number two ranked Justin Gaethje, of course, has found a little bit of a career revival here when the BMF belt. He's always available. Michael Chandler always wants to fight. Matus Gamrot's up there in the mix. We'll see how the lightweight, uh, lightweight top 10, top 5 really shape themselves out. But Islam, man, good to fight whenever. You could probably see him on UFC 300, potentially. I don't know. We'll see who they end up all uh, fighting. But yeah, UFC 294, pretty good in review. Um, When I do my end-of-the-year rankings of all 12 pay-per-views or 13 pay-per-views, however many there were, it'll be interesting to see where this lands as, I mean, the main card really did save this. We had a couple of good moments on the prelims, but I'm going to say overall this was a pretty good card. Um, obviously, Islam getting a performance bonus. Ikram Al-Kasarov getting a performance bonus. Saeed Mohamed Makayev getting a performance bonus. Hamzat Chemaev, Shara Magomedov both coming into their own now. And, um, yeah, 
story of the day, tough losses for Vulcan Usman. Um, and Johnny Walker, Mike Minakalaev, an absolute dud on the main card. But um, we're not going to let that stop us. Congratulations, Volk, um, for taking this on short notice. You're a real champion. He was really emotional at his press conference, talking about mental health. But um, the final congratulations to Islam Makachev, who retains his belt and improves to an insane, honestly, insane Islam Makachev, 25-1. Very impressive record. And um, he's chasing history, man. He's chasing history. I know for a fact he's going to be calling out um, <laughs> what's-his-face, the winner of Edwards and um, Covington to fight for double double champ status. So we'll see if that fight gets made. But as for now, that's all we got from Abu Dhabi. We'll see you guys next year uh, for Abu Dhabi. I mean, I'm speaking to all the, all the rich oil tycoons out there. Who knows how, oh, my gosh, all those Saudi Arabians have so much money. Seeing Hasbula there is always funny. The Nelk boys are always out there. Always entertaining stuff. Dana knows how to put on a show. And I hope you enjoyed this show, ladies and gentlemen, as that's the end of episode 35 of the Surprise Jab podcast. You know, we've talked about the NCAA uh, football, talked about college football, top 25, did a little MLB playoff check-in. We'll probably go more in-depth on that in our next episode. Of course, a week seven of the NFL review, the big UFC 294 review as well. And talked a little bit about TV shows and, of course, all sorts of stuff. Follow me on my socials. My Instagram, Zach Ruger. I had my Snapchat, Zach Ruger. TikTok, I think we're at, like, Zach Ruger. There's, like a, there's actually a fake account of me. It says, like, Zach Ruger spam. So don't follow that one. Follow the one with me, like, posing in front of our the Minnesota State Capitol. Um, follow Evergrowing Co. IBE on uh, Facebook and Instagram. I would really appreciate that. Hoist Hydration, sponsor me. Love you guys. Um, everyone, have an amazing week. We'll be back with a surprise guest later during the week. Always love having guests on. Ladies and gentlemen, have an amazing week. God bless.